Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You know, I know one investor who looked at nearly 200 properties before buying one. One deal ultimately worked out of those, but boy, did it work out, quadrupling in value. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Do you know how you can benefit from crowdfunding? If you haven't checked out our special series, Best Crowdfunding Crash Course Ever, presented by Patch of Land, then you need to. It's episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173, because you'll hear from the industry's leading crowdfunding experts on how you can benefit by getting involved, whether it's getting access to funds for your deal or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, David Reese. Hi, David. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Going well. Thank you for joining us. David is joining us from Brooklyn, (laughs) New York, where he is born and bred Brooklyn. He's been there his entire life. His kids go to the same school that he went to whenever he was a child. He's in Prospect Heights for those of you in New York City and wanted to get a more specific location of where he's at. He's a professor of law at Brooklyn Law School He's also a research director for the Center for Urban Business Entrepreneurship. He's an editor and writer for a blog called refinblog.com, and you're going to educate us on what that stands for. And he teaches real estate practice class and other real estate-related courses. So with that being said, David, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure. So um, I came to a real estate background, maybe a little um, uh, tangentially. I started out after college working for a supportive housing agency, actually in the East Village, that provided housing for homeless people with psychiatric disabilities. This was, in many ways, the best job I ever had, rewarding day in and day out. But over time at the agency, I became more interested in the real estate aspects of the work. 
and I eventually went to law school to become a real estate lawyer. Um, I then worked for the land use and real estate departments of two large law firms and received a good grounding in a variety of subjects relevant to real estate. And as, as you mentioned, I now teach real estate, land use, and financing courses at Brooklyn Law School um, and do research mostly about uh, real estate finance um, as part of my duties as the research director for the Center for Urban Business Entrepreneurship. We call it CUBE here at Brooklyn. And what does the, what's that blog, the URL, to help, help me understand what, where, where that comes from? You know, it's it's a funny thing for those of us involved in social media. You kind of choose something at the beginning without necessarily thinking it through, and uh, <laughs> and, and but then you're kind of stuck with it. So so in my in my mind, it stands for realestatefinanceblog.com, and so we we shortened that to refinblog.com. But uh, a lot of people are like refine blog or refin blog. Uh, retrospect, I should have chosen a different name, but there you have it. Even if you just say it and you don't spell it out and you say refin blog, then you've got some uh, legal legalized marijuana users that are wanting to buy your URL too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, you you could tell how 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 uh, sheltered I am that that didn't even cross my mind. You talk about or you, you teach classes on finance courses and you, you went to law school and you've practiced land use. Talk to us a little bit about land use. Let's talk about that for a second. What are some things that we should know about land use? Well, it's an interesting subject for um, for your best ever listeners. Um, land use in most communities and definitely in New York City is a very complex area of law with very specialized people who work in it, a very specialized legal bar um, and then a whole range of, of other professionals who help um, Um, navigate land use decisions. If you are not looking uh, to be a developer, if you're just a real estate investor, you know, it's not that relevant to to what you do. But if you think that you're buying a property where you could um, add uh, square square footage to it, um, either to go higher or to build build bigger or to knock something down and build something else up, um, you're going to need to think this through. Uh, And there's a lot of uh, value in um, uh, underutilized properties uh, that some people have the expertise to exploit. Others don't. Um, and so if you're going to go into that area, you're going to want to go in hard and really become an expert. Because if you take any missteps, you can end up overpaying for something that, you, that you're not able to actually fully uh, take advantage of. That's interesting because nobody's ever talked about finding a property and then building higher or building bigger, building onto it. And we probably talked about it maybe in passing, but not really focused on it. And so I'd like to ask just a couple other follow-up questions and have you talk a little bit more about this. When an investor goes to look at a property and you know they're thinking, wow, there should be another bedroom added onto this, like a completely new bedroom. What are some of the things based on your experience that they also should take into consideration? Well, the first thing they're going to want to do is um, get a a reasonably good sense of what the zoning allows um, and what what are the kinds of restrictions are there on building. So the zoning code may be relevant, the building code may be relevant, um, the context uh, of this property amongst other properties may be relevant to those decisions. And uh, if you have a sense that this property can uh, be developed even further than it already has been, you're going to want to figure out uh, how much more, how many more square feet, how much value those additional square feet would have, um, and what would be your cost in, in developing that, those additional square feet. That cost is go- both going to be 
kind of those soft costs uh, of hiring architects and lawyers and expediters, as well as the delay in getting the property um, in an operating condition. Um, but then the, the benefits will be the increased revenue that you'll be able to get from it or the increased uh, sales price you'll be able to get from it. What's an expediter? So this is maybe a very New York-focused uh, profession, but the, the, the process of building in New York is so complex that you don't just hire a lawyer, you don't just hire an architect, you often and very typically also hire an expediter. And the expediter's job is to navigate the regulatory system relating to land use and construction and move things forward so they don't get stuck in limbo at New York's Department of Buildings or at the Department of, um, you know, any, any department of, of the city that uh, regulates the development of land. You mentioned zoning code, building code, and context for other properties. Why context for other properties? So again, here I'm focusing on New York, although it's not just a New York, uh, but uh, a lot of zoning in New York recently has been contextual zoning. So you are limited to new projects that match the context of the surrounding buildings in the area. Uh, and this is really to maintain the kind of um, visual and aesthetic fabric of, of the area. So for instance, if you had a, a block of uh, four-story buildings Um, It would be out of context to add an eight-story building kind of as a middle finger standing up in the middle of the block. And so zoning has um, moved, at least in some neighborhoods in New York, to require that new buildings fit into the context. You teach real estate practice. What is that? When you first come to law school, maybe you want to be a real estate lawyer. Maybe you just want to have some exposure to real estate. But real estate practice is an intro class that just teaches students the basics of the real estate contract, a mortgage, a note, title, surveys, the basics of a very simple real estate deal. And that builds a foundation for students then to take more advanced classes in land use and construction law and um, more sophisticated uh, financing classes and policy classes. So in a law school context, it's a foundational course that all real estate lawyers should know, and then probably most transactional lawyers should know as well. If you had to convince somebody that this class should be taken by law students, what would you tell them the reason why people should take the class? Well, it's a funny, funny that you ask that because uh, I usually talk about three kinds of students uh, in my first day of class. And you know, this class is really for three kinds of students. It's it's for students who know they want to be real estate lawyers. It's a no-brainer. It's for students who are pretty sure they want to be transactional lawyers and therefore should know a little bit about real estate, even if they're mostly doing IP or securities or whatever they're doing. Real estate ties into a lot of other transactional practices. And then the third, the third category of student is students who just needed two credits between six and eight on Tuesdays, um, and they're just here for that reason. And, and, and my pitch to them is that my course will no question save them tens of thousands of dollars over their life of buying homes for them and their families. Um, because understanding the real estate transaction basically gives you a real leg up over most people who are in the market. What's one thing that you teach in the class that can help a best ever listener save maybe not tens of thousands because we're not taking the whole class, but what's one thing that we can learn from that class that will save us a couple thousand dollars? 
One piece of advice that I often give for most people, uh, they hear the message that they should get a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage uh, when they when they buy a property. Um, you know, and I'm here thinking of a residential property, which is where it's more common than obviously a commercial property. Um, whether you're buying that for yourself as an investment, uh, people say the conservative thing to do, the smart thing to do, is to get a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Given that the typical American um, uh, household moves every seven years or so, um, you're often paying a lot of extra money and interest for safety that you don't need. So for instance, if you are uh, getting a 7-1 arm or if you can get a 10-1 arm, you're going to be paying significantly less in interest, maybe a point, maybe more, maybe a little bit less than for a fixed rate mortgage. And if you're like a typical American household and you move out after uh, seven years, you've just saved potentially many thousands of dollars in unnecessary, let's call it interest insurance. So I, I think that that's something that many people don't think through and, and that they should. A young, a young household um, or an old household, so young households who may be moving up to a bigger space when they have kids, households who may be downsizing when they have uh, an empty nest. Um, so really thinking about what your life is going to look like over the next five or 10 years can help you choose a really appropriate mortgage product that will save you literally thousands of dollars. What if their plan is to move in the you know three, five to seven years, but keep it as an investment property? What would you recommend? Well, again, I think you would want to think through um, what your plans are. So I guess the first question would be, what's your time horizon for the property itself that you keep it in possession? So if your time horizon is longer than five, seven or 10 years, uh, let's say it's uh, 15 or potentially even 30 years, it'll be part of your retirement or it will be um, you know, something that you want to pass on to your kids, uh, then, then maybe a 30-year fixed rate mortgage makes a lot more sense. I would note, however, that often if you own a property for that long, you're going to end up at some point wanting to, to take some cash out of it, perhaps for another investment, uh, perhaps for your children's education, or you, you're going to want to um, get some some additional uh, resources to spend yourself. Um, and if you end up refinancing, you know, in 10 years, even in that case, it may have made sense to go with an arm if your plan is to kind of take out your equity in some other way. So it's really important not to just think about your present needs, but to think about your kind of future goals and needs as well when you make these decisions. David, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? So I, I know your um, best ever listeners are hoping to get something brilliant, um, as I'm <laughs> sure they've gotten from some of your other speakers. Um, mine is very simple and very not brilliant, um, but really do your homework. So I, I once litigated a case on behalf of a victim of predatory lending. And as part of my work on the case, I had to delve really deeply into the world of get-rich-quick schemes that were based in real estate. And I was so amazed at how little content there was in all of the programs and materials that I reviewed. And too many people think that success in a field as complex as real estate comes from just a, a can-do attitude along with some chewing gum and a ball of wax. But in fact, success mostly comes from preparation for every contingency, whether it relates to buying the property, financing one, or, or maintaining one. Uh, and, and I'm happy to give some examples. Yes, please. You know, I know one investor who looked at nearly 200 properties before buying one. She made about 10 offers frequently, um, significantly below uh, the asking price, three or so of which were accepted. Um, one deal ultimately worked out of those, but, but boy, did it work out, quadrupling in value over a decade, decade and a half. Um, and, and really knowing that market and looking for the property that was undervalued in that market was key to her strategy. 
Uh, I know another investor who, who shops around his mortgages to dozens of lenders, to big banks, small banks, whoever's lending, and he provides them with a thorough pro forma, you know, that describes the expected cash flow from the building. Um, and then once he, he gets a couple of um, banks interested, he really is able to play them off of one another and really gets them to negotiate against each other. Uh, he recently got a, a rate in the mid twos and uh, it just seemed kind of phenomenal. Um, but again, this was preparation, knowing this aspect of the industry, having good information and using it effectively. Oh my gosh, my eyes are like as big as the moon, the mid twos on his rate. That's incredible. Yes. It was incredible. This was in maybe sometime late last year when rates were particularly low. Wow. It's funny you've mentioned when rates were particularly low and <laughs> it's like and looking where we're at right now, rates are still low, but relative to where they were before, they're not as low, but my gosh, they're still incredibly low, especially when you start comparing it to the 80s, right? Yeah. And then also when you take into account inflation, I mean, your, your actual interest cost is so unbelievably low. Um, you know, some people kind of say, well, I missed I missed the the trough of the rates, so you know, I should just give up. But I think as you say, the rates are low now from a historical perspective. Um, and so this is, you know, uh, from a from a rate perspective, a great time to borrow. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, I think so. This is uh, I'm very uh, terrified of this, but I'm gonna, I'm, I'm ready to give it a try. <laughs> Well, with much trepidation, we shall begin. But first, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F. L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. You've heard him on the Best Ever Show, episode 209. His name's Craig Capola, and he's got a book you must read. The Art of Commercial Real Estate Leasing is what it's called, and it tells you 19 things to look for in a lease. Go to Amazon.com right now and buy The Art of Commercial Real Estate Leasing. All right, David, best ever book you've read. I have to say, I thought about this a lot, and I'm going to go with Homer's Iliad. Um, as, as I'm sure a lot of your 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 listeners know, it's a it's a painful story of rage arrogance and vanity tempered by imposed humility and loss. And, and that seems like a good story for a real estate investor to, to take a look at. I feel like I just got like a, a review from the best Amazon review critic on the book. That's just an amazing way to describe. You have, you have a way for words, my friend. You were definitely in litigation. <laughs> Thank you. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. So this is the one that's giving me a hard time. I, you know, I, I there, there's so many, um, I think that the one I would take is when I started practicing at a law firm, I had been used to, you know, performing pretty well and, you know, getting pretty good grades and making people pretty happy with my work. And uh, in, in, a, in a really good law firm, the standard is really perfection. And every time you, you fall short of perfection, you kind of get your butt kicked. Um, and this notion that you should always be striving for perfection when you fail to achieve it, um, that's a problem. It makes you for a very good, uh, it gives you an attitude of, towards your career that is a very healthy attitude. It might make you not necessarily the happiest person, but it will make you a very good lawyer or real estate investor or whatever it is uh, that your goal is. But that that perfection is your standard is um, something that was kind of a, a tough lesson um, and not living up to that standard was a tough lesson, but it, it pushes me even now many years after having worked in, in that legal context. Best ever success habit you practice? 
again, this relates to one of the law firms that I worked at, but the, the firm required us to return client calls within, I think it was four hours, and all other calls within 24 hours. And I thought that this was a great habit because it really keeps you from avoiding unpleasant interactions and helps you move on from them. And it also signals to those that you work with that you'll treat them with great respect and great professionalism. And uh, that's a habit, again, even after I left the law firm that I kept with me uh, because it really signals to people the kind of person you are. And people respond really well to that signal. They trust you, uh, they rely on you, um, and they want to involve you in, in what they're doing. Best ever deal you've done. I think it's really important. And I think when you're younger, perhaps, or when I was younger, you don't realize this, to realize just that just about everything is negotiable. And so for a client, I was negotiating a, a loan that was in default. And we got the, the lender to take 10 cents on the dollar. Um, and we made this case over a very long time. We had done a lot of preparation to really explain to the lender why this was the best solution for everybody. Um, and what that really highlighted for me was the importance of preparation in making your case and pursuing your case. Um, and that's something that seemed kind of far-fetched that you could get such a good term for a client turned out to be possible. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? So right now, uh, most of my lawyering is done um, on behalf of my community development clinic here at Brooklyn Law School. So uh, my students represent a variety of clients. Um, trying to think of which it's hard to choose your favorites. Um, but let, let me just say this. Um, we represent a lot of uh, startup social entrepreneurs who are just starting out. And it's really exciting to kind of help people set up an organization so they can kind of do work in their community, help out in their community. So I would say what I'm excited about right now is is that work that we, we've been doing in the clinic. Yeah, that's that's what I would say. Best ever way you like to give back? Just yesterday, um, a student of mine who graduated about seven or eight years ago, um, straight out of, she came straight out of college to law school, uh, ended up working for the city, um, and then went into private practice and uh, is now doing a lot of um, high-level construction uh, work, uh, litigation and transactional work for uh, one of the biggest developers in New York City. Um, and it, it was just so much fun. We just, we went, we had a cup of coffee, uh, we talked about um, her work. We talked about uh, what she had learned in school, and there's, uh, you know, an incredible pleasure when you teach to actually kind of see your students blossom, uh, become very successful lawyers. Um, and uh, just as we parted, she said, you know, if you have any current students who want to talk to somebody who's been out now for a while, you know, have them give me a call. I went back to my office. I put another student in touch with her, and that cycle continues. So, so that's really one of the great parts about being a teacher is is making those connections between the different generations. Best ever quote. All right, are you ready? This is going to be a little long, but let's do it. You asked. Uh, are you ready for it? <laughs> yes. Should I make you guess who said it, or should I should I tell you? What do you want? This is your interview, my friend. You approach it however you want. Okay. So here here goes. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So that was, uh, you want to take a stab at it, you don't have to, but if you want him. Russell Crowe from Gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent guess. <laughs> and your guess 
the character probably shares a lot in common with this character. This is actually Teddy Roosevelt. Ah. And uh, he, he was a man uh, who had uh, great failures and successes as a child and as an adult. And even after he was president, you know, when he ran again and, and lost. And uh, I just like that. I just like that notion of um, trying to do great things um, and accepting that failure can be part of that. And, and it's better to, to fail um, trying to do great things than not to try at all. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business or real estate? We uh, put in an offer to buy a property that had a, a significant um, problem with the foundation. And it was a, a great, great building. And uh, we were really excited about it. And notwithstanding the problem with the foundation, we thought we would go ahead with it. Then I got the opinion of someone who I greatly trusted. And he said, under absolutely no condition should you buy this building. Even though everything's good about it, this problem with the foundation is going to cause trouble, you know, unknown trouble of unknown cost and unknown hassle over an unknown number of years. Um, and he said, just walk away. Um, and, and so I guess I had made the mistake in, in thinking that I could deal with that, but I took this person's advice and, and, and didn't do that. And um, I'm really grateful for that advice in retrospect. What's the best ever place to reach you? Uh, so um, I blog every day, Monday through Friday at uh, reefinblog, R-E-F-I-N-B-L-O-G.com. Um, and, but if you want to reach me, probably on Twitter, at reefinblog is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Um, hard to get in touch with me uh, on the blog because there's just too much of that kind of spam stuff that comes in. So I've turned off the comments. But on, on Twitter, um, I get those messages and I'm happy to respond. You know, I got those same things on my blog and I switched from the regular WordPress comments to Facebook Connect and it just eliminated all the spam stuff. So just maybe you try a different commenting system. Okay, that's good to know. You know, I'm, I'm the only person I think on the entire planet not on Facebook, but maybe that's a reason to, to reconsider. Well, David, we won't reach out to you via Facebook. We'll go to your Reefin blog and connect with you there. And thank you so much for sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about land use and really seeing what the potential opportunity is to build higher, build longer, and the different things you need to take into account. You need to have a good sense of zoning code, the building code, context for other properties, and then the costs that are involved. And then ultimately, how much more square footage can you get and what is the value it would be? And then you factor in that cost and you educated me on expediters. I'd never heard of them. And as you mentioned, they navigate the regulatory system to move things forward. Then, you know, talking about the differences in evaluating what type of mortgage you should get on a property. Perhaps a 30-year fix doesn't make the most sense for, for you, depending on what your exit strategy is and depending on what your plan is for the property. And, you know, taking a look at the homework that, that you mentioned is so important and talking through that and your, your examples of one investor looked at 200 properties before buying one, made 10 offers three got accepted and one of them worked out. And then your other friend who's an investor shops around his mortgage to many different lenders. And as a result, he got a mid 2% interest rate on his mortgage. So that is a tale of perseverance and not settling. And as you mentioned, doing your homework. And I love the kind of the, the one-off thing that you mentioned about returning client calls within four hours and all other calls within 24 hours. So thank you so much for being on the best ever show and sharing your best ever advice. And we'll talk to you soon. Joe, thanks to you and to your best ever listeners. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? 
Then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 